0: All right. Welcome. All right, we're live. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. I'm here today with Jeremy Jackson Dunn. Yes. But I've only known you as Jeremy Jackson. He's a very special guest for many reasons. We go way, 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 way back. So welcome to the corner. Thanks, man. appreciate you having me, for real. Appreciate you you. coming through. Uh, Jeremy and I go way back. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, Jeremy grew up in Orange County, but also spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, actor, mm-hmm. what show? Baywatch. And any any other acting?
1: Yeah, There's like 16 commercials, a couple movies, probably five or ten TV shows. Okay. Two albums, five singles. I
0: think we've got to move forward just a little
1: bit so we can hear us better.
0: Tell us if you can hear us. Okay. I usually talk pretty good. Okay.
1: I'm a, I'm a good talker.
0: All right. So I'll talk about our history a little bit later, like how you and I met and where we met and what okay. we did and all that. But obviously, um, you, you grew up in Newport Beach, close to Mesa, where? Born
1: in Anaheim. Anaheim. Grew up in the city of Orange with okay. my granny and my mom. Okay. Moved to Newport Beach when I was about six. Mm-hmm. So, in Newport Beach, Costa Mesa, Corona del Mar, Huntington, that kind of area. Okay. So I moved out to LA for a little bit in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. I was there for about eight years. Okay.
0: And when, when you were growing up in. Um, late, late 20s, actually. Late 20s. Yeah. I remember. Uh, uh, so, when you say. I remember one time, like you were telling me. On a personal level, like we were talking about your your father mm-hmm. and your history with your father, and, and uh, was he in your life?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Never. Nope. Although, even though he was never in my life, I seem to uh, live out some harm cycles and repeat some harm cycles, and you know seek. Uh, Male mentorship that was sure to let me down like he he did so kind of haunted me even though he wasn't there mm-hmm. maybe saved my life my my father was a was a heroin addict and uh, and a criminal and uh, you know I I never touched heroin okay. because I lost my dad so, to to heroin. to heroin so I I definitely hold strong resentments mm-hmm. uh, but in a way maybe he saved my life you know okay so. Uh and why wasn't he in the picture? Well, my mom, um, my mom was raised really strict Christian. she didn't really like watch movies and she couldn't wear skirts below her knees. She had this very protective upbringing okay didn't, uh, and uh, she, of course, was attracted to the high school bad boy, mm-hmm. you know um and she didn't really know anything about drugs about partying, about uh, criminal activity and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so after she got pregnant they fell in love she fell in love with him, and, and uh sure he, he was a good guy he was a dynamic individual people loved him but he was one of us you know mm-hmm. um so when she finally really found out that he was doing that um she kind of skipped off and kind of kidnapped me and disappeared and tried to keep him out of my life so that I wouldn't have to go through the pain and torment of having a criminal uh, drug addict father.
0: And was he in the prison system or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I really, I never knew much about him. Um, uh, And I always kind of wanted to, and there wasn't, we didn't have any contact with his family and it wasn't until I was like 26 or something when he passed away. Um, his family somehow found us online to tell us that he had passed away, and uh, I learned a little bit about him from his brothers and his his my grandma, his mom, mm-hmm. who I had never known. Right. Um, but it wasn't until more recently, when I did some jail time, that I really learned about him. So well, he was in corporate State Penitentiary for like 15 years. And how did you learn about him? Did you do research in there? No. Yeah. Well, when I no when I was in jail, there were some older older white. You know, skinhead dudes, and and I asked them, hey, you know, this my dad was worth Jackson all the third. They called him Chris Cross. Mm-hmm. I'm like, did you know what Chris Cross? And he the the guy just looks at me, this tattooed face, you know, OG, old school dude. Mm-hmm. He looks at me, he's like, Stay right here. And he walks over and he talks to the other guy, Fuzz from the Antelope Valley. You know, these guys are like in their 50s mm-hmm. and crime syndicate guys. I'm like, So, and they're like, dude, you you have no idea. Like, he was only known as Cross. Mm -hmm. They only called him Cross. Had never seen his face because he was in solitary the whole time. Mm -hmm. But he ran like this crazy gnarly, like the seventh right, some Nazi hardcore uh, dealio. And um, I have a bunch of letters that he had written my aunt and it's pretty much confirmed he was in the shoe nine months out of the year.
0: Right. That's um, a long time.
1: And how he, he actually these in it's really weird because in these letters he writes that he hated um, you know, racism and how he despised it, but he was into the so he basically played the system. He went in there and became the hardest, scariest guy. Right. In to stay alive. He was late he was when upon his release, mm-hmm. he was subpoenaed to testify right. against the warden of Corcoran State Penitentiary because back in the 90s, there was fights going on, and a lot of people died, and the correctional officers were betting on it. Right. And because my dad was well-spoken, because he he had actually became a theologian, an ordained minister, he learned Spanish, he learned law. You know, when you're locked up like that, you got nothing better to do. To tend um, to read and learn, and, and, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And he was supposed to. Uh, oh, he was supposed to. He was supposed to snitch, right? You know. And he was living. He was part of that Delancey Street. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he had gotten Bell's palsy, so they kicked him out of there, which was kind of a bummer. I I, I later learned all this stuff from poems and letters he had written. But uh, he was living with a minister on a Christian ranch, and they found him with a needle hanging out of his arm mm. two weeks before the trial. And the other guy that was supposed to testify against the warden mm-hmm. was murdered in his jail cell. And the other guy that was supposed to testify supposedly killed himself in protective custody; shot himself in the head. So we really don't know if it was a cover-up or if he if he did a hot shot. Wow, you know, amazing. It's a pretty trippy story. It is. Uh, the so game gets you one way or another, right? That's the bottom line. And
0: so when you were born in Anaheim and raised in Orange in the first part of your life, when did you end up, uh, I mean,
1: was he ever in your life or was it just immediately he was out of your life? Uh, Yeah, I really, I never knew him, you know. never knew him? Um, No, I, one time I was, is that my phone? Is that someone calling me? It's just going crazy. Um, Is it an arm or something? Videoing? I thought like somebody was printing something. Um, I know. It sounded weird. It um One time I was outside playing hopscotch. This is the only memory of my dad I have uh, with these girls. I think I was like three years old. Mm-hmm. And it's like that stranger danger time in life when you go to school and they're like, don't go to right. out of this. And this guy pulls up in an old car and he goes, Jeremy, Jeremy, come here. And I was like, how does this dude know my name? Who is he? And I remember like, you know, when you, in your dreams, when you run and you're trying to scream, yes. nothing comes out. Right, right. That me. Right. That you know. And I just went into my mom's house. Oh, mom there's someone outside. And she put me in the door. And I don't know. She went and talked to him. That was the only time I ever have any memory of my dad. Okay. One time.
0: How old were you when you ended up down in in South Orange County, or I mean, by the beach, Costa oh, Mesa? I? Yeah, like six, about six years old. Mm-hmm. So you grew up experiencing the Newport Costa Mesa lifestyle. Yeah, because I, I myself moved there when I was fifteen years old. There was a certain feel in that area during that time. Yeah, I mean, when I, as a fifteen-year-old, you know, there's, there's things going on. Like you were, you're about but nine years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So, but still, I think like, um, you know, I'm, I'm in my book. I'm writing about like what it was like in Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa mm-hmm. had a certain style about it, a certain feel. There was it was a mixed culture. It was a, sort of a blending pot. Um, but it was different than a lot of places in Orange County. To this day, I still consider myself a Costa Mesa kid. I loved it, right? Yeah. So absolutely. But I didn't know you then. I uh, I know that you. How old were you when you first started pursuing an acting career?
1: Uh well, I started acting when I was six. Okay. Um, so that was right at the time we moved um, to Newport. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom, single mom. You know, she got some a good deal on low-income housing, being a single mom mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I moved in uh, over there, like, basically right off Superior and, like, 16th Street. Okay. Right at the top of the hill, back in the back by the, the Boys and Girls Club. Yes. So I spent my time skateboarding, uh, digging through the trash can at Quicksilver, and making uh, friendship bracelets out of unused wetsuit material from the wetsuits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember
0: those friendship bracelets. Those yeah. Ones.
1: And uh, – I was already doing. Uh, well, I went to Newport Heights Elementary. Okay, and uh, yeah, it was just going swimming, bodyboarding, mm-hmm. you know, walking to the beach. You like kind
0: of like a beach kid. Total beach kid. Yeah. So, but you, were you cast? Like, did you have a, an agent?
1: Is that what would happen? So my mom was um, enrolled at OCC, uh-huh. and I was getting in a lot of trouble at school. Super hyperactive. Right. Uh, ADD, ADHD, whatever. Mm-hmm. They wanted to put me on meds, and I was, I was. Uh, did they?
0: Did no, put you on red no, meds? no, my mom
1: actually, she took me off sugar instead of putting me on meds. Okay. Which was amazing. Because
0: um, I know a lot of kids that have ADHD and they're hyper, they, they give them like Ritalin to Adderall calm and yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. It has the opposite effect. The on paradoxical. Thing, right, you know? right. Yeah, that's – Which I guys. have a, a strong opinion about that because I think a lot of people will disagree with me. I've had lots of conversations, but I think a lot of people that become addicts become dependent upon that stuff they their kids because their kids, their parents put them on it for and then they, sure. they become, um, they start seeking other things, you know, of, for dependency. Of course, it
1: changes your neurology for good. Right, but you weren't put on any meds. No, no. Okay. Yeah, I know. So it took me so off sugar, have sugar. okay. Um, what they, they called me GLD, Gifted Learning Disabled. Okay. So I was smart, but I was kind of stupid, you know? I've always known
0: you to be pretty smart. Yeah, Well and kind of stupid. You, <laughs> I think we all make stupid decisions, but but you you talked about your dad being well spoken, so I think like genetically, maybe yeah, you know yeah. There's the the attic gene, but there's also you know like
1: fast learner, yeah, most yeah. definitely fast learner. Well, there's there's actually a lot to that we can get into later. Sure, like laboratory mice and rats and attic gene and how that c- contributes to curiosity tenfold, uh-huh. all this kind of stuff. Right, That's right
0: um so at that time uh she 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 was just in school
1: and she found it was like uh child actors wanted okay she ripped off this phone number because i was just a ham i was always singing i was always dancing i was always performing putting on outfits and so she just called and was like took me to this agent in la we drove up there in her little volkswagen bug you You know know? catching on fire right right and um and it turned out to be the same agent for uh, the olsen twins for Screech from Saved by the Bell, for the kid that was on the TV show. Last, she was a big time kids agent, right? Um, and I just started going on auditions right, right, right from there, just mm-hmm. landing gigs pretty quick. Do you think you were landing gigs because you were a good looking kid, or because you could play a part, or, or?
0: Learn your lines well. Or what what? It,
1: well it was both. So we, I, because I'm you know uh, dyslexic, I can't read stuff. It's all still, turned around I remember you told me dyslexic. I too. used to write backwards. Mm-hmm. So I would write from the in. You had to hold it in a mirror to read. Right. Completely backwards. So my mom would read my lines to me. Mm-hmm. I'd say them back to her, and we memorized it that way. But right. um, but uh, you know the the people pleasing, the, uh, the 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 performance based approval. Right. That. I me mean, it goes hand-in-hand hand with being an addict, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I saw that, it, you know, I would be rewarded or mm-hmm. or I would be, um, you know, applauded for doing a good job. Right. It drove me to want to do a good job and get it competitive nature, you know, OCD or, or professionist. Yeah. It was like, boom, I, I'm going to do better than everybody. So right. that's why I got a lot of gigs.
0: Okay. Okay. So then you said like it was commercials at first, mm-hmm. was that what it yeah. was? And it built its way up to actually getting like a major part in a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you got that, how old were you as Hobie? Well, I got the job when I was nine, mm-hmm. and I, we started filming when I was ten. Okay, and during that time, did you just move up to L.A.? Were you living in a trailer? Oh, cowboy? we stayed down here. I mean, it wasn't that far. You know, it wasn't that far. Not hour. that far, about an
1: hour, depending on traffic yeah. and all that. So, and then just regularly filming and all that? Mm-hmm. Well, we filmed in the summer. Okay. For like uh, three months, you know. All right. Or a month, I, I forget. I don't know. First time you ever <laughs> took a substance was you were how? Old? You know, I had to have been like, I had to have been like ten or twelve, just smoking little roaches from a lady's ashtray that left her car unlocked. And, and was that in Orange County? I was in Orange County. Yeah, Baywood Apartments. I, went I know to Baywood, Baywood apartments. apartments, of course. you do. Yeah, I know them all too well. So yeah, drink. Uh, I, I used. Uh, well, you know, I had this weird kind of epiphany not too long ago that even even before that, mm-hmm. six, three, three years old probably, right. I used to mix all my household chemicals together. Right. So anything that my mom said was naughty, wrong, or dangerous, I wanted to know why. Right. And and I I guess it's because you know I thought that there was answers externally. Mm-hmm. That I would find, so I'd mix pine salt and bleach and peroxide. Mm -hmm.
0: Pine salt and bleach—you're not supposed to mix. Rubbing alcohol.
1: There's housewives that die from that
0: shit. I know. (laughs) Of course, when the grass says "Do not walk on the grass," Jeremy will
1: stomp on the grass. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Army crawl. No wonder we got a lot (laughs) of growth. And so I think I might have been huffing from a really. That was my first run. Really? I don't talk about that in in some twelve-step
0: weeks, but like. Huffing was my first thing. Blake? I was twelve. No, it was straight gasoline. Wow. I was mowing lawns, and and I remember like feeling a little. Retreating sunny. to the shed. I don't know how I got the idea. Maybe because we were like huffing glue yeah. in school, uh-huh. and I thought, you know, this stuff smells too, and it's got some kind of. I wonder what happened. Yeah. And sure enough, I huffed it, and I did it for about a week, and then one day I passed out because I was on the other side, if you know what I mean, mm. and yeah. it, and it poured all over my balls, my genitals, <laughs> and and when I came to, I was like. Oh, I'm never gonna do that again. I gotta yeah, find some yeah. alternatives. Yeah. I so, wanna get high, but not risking up all. So it was huff, huffing, okay. <laughs> you know what's interesting too? Kids do it. Kids do it. Oh yeah. Especially it, you can tell them do not huff white out. They'll do not huff white yeah, out. Yeah. Dust off know? is great. Dust off yeah. dust off. Yeah, that's a whole delay. I remember yeah. I went
1: to rehab at Michael's house in Palm Springs. I was like sixteen. Yeah. And there was delayed in the bathroom. So I'm like, are these guys? Here? idiots right thank god they are right right <laughs> the towel over it yeah you always figure out a way to get high so, so starting with huffing mm-hmm. what else the, the, um, the roaches in the ladies car yeah i mean i was i didn't know about drugs nobody taught me about drugs but i was drawn like the 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 tweakers that you know i would just find these people right like the guy with the weird shed in the apartment complex i'm mm-hmm. like hanging out with him sure when i'm like Six years old, drawn to like drawn to them. Yes, it was yes, mad. Yep. And um, I remember one time I dipped a cigarette in, I, I stole a lot of cigarettes too. Cigarettes were pretty much my first drug. What'd you dip it in? I dipped it in nail polish. Really oh my God. God. I waited for it to dry, <laughs> and I smoked it to see if it would do anything. Right. I was just on the quest to find something. Something
0: to change the head. Yes, please. Was it because uh, I mean, in your childhood, was it? Did you feel like you weren't enough? Were you uh, no, not I,
1: comfortable in your skin? Well, well definitely that. Definitely not comfortable in my skin. You God. tell
0: me, like, even as a as a childhood actor, being on like a major like a television show that's worldwide, you still weren't. That you doesn't do it Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, do anything. doesn't matter. No. You're no, still No. It's not about what you have. It's about what you need. Yeah, that's right. You know. If you, yeah. And that was uh, like a job. It was just a job. Yeah, it was just a job.
1: I mean, there's the glitz and, the, and the glam and all that. It's just, it's just a job that allowed me to be cooler than my friends. Sure. You know? And, you, and give them free stuff. I gave away a lot of free stuff. Were you, had you become the popular guy? Uh, no, the un, I mean, popular, but also the joke you know what I mean also like he's the, the kid on the TV show he's the kid on the TV show okay. he's the idiot that's giving us free shit and paying for the stuff and we're the real clique that hang out all the time but right we just like right okay you know?
0: okay did you know that or real is that confident. what you
1: thought no I know that now that back, back then there was a strange feeling of something inauthentic this there was a you know a needing or a wanting to fit in and I didn't know exactly what it was that seemed off and now, mm-hmm. now I know what it was. You know? It seems, you
0: know when you talk about this stuff, it seems like you've done a lot of soul searching and you've, you, you've had some clarity in like your upbringing and you know I think that's what happens is when we get sober we start to delve deep and, and think, you know what, like that now it makes sense. Well I hope They're so. Not, now ma- yeah. I hope people are doing that, you know. So uh, how long were you on the show for?
1: For eleven years, 11 seasons. I think it went for 11 seasons. Yeah, yeah, Baywatch is the number one watched TV show in the history of the world. Guinness Book of World Records. Holder. I did not know it was that long. Yeah. yeah. Guess how many episodes I watched? A couple. Probably.
0: And it wasn't for you. I didn't even know who you were there.
1: It'd be weird if you did watch
0: it. It was for the girls. Yeah, of course. I mean, I already love Nicole because she's like, Charles in charge. Nicole is such a sweetheart, too. Yeah, she is. She's an Orange County girl, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there was uh, Pamela Anderson, who was just like, you know. Hello. Heart's What? 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 I don't know what happened to her. I don't see her anymore, but uh, she's she's like, yeah.
1: Weird,
0: yeah. I think think that happens to all so so 11 seasons you were on there and you were driving back and forth that whole time. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, yeah. The
1: last well, the last year, I just grew up in in that show.
0: Totally. How old were you when it went 21? Was
1: the last uh filming we did when I was uh, was a Hawaiian, uh, as an hour long TV. movie. Mm
0: -hmm. So I quit the show
1: when I was 18. I came back at like 19 and did like a couple episodes because when I quit, I was all messed up. I was out of my mind. I couldn't remember my lines. I had been up for days mm-hmm. and it was really embarrassing. Brio mess? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, well, I should have just brought some. I think it's I around know. the time I met you. But I stopped. Yeah, and yeah. I, I couldn't sleep and I stopped. I, like, I should have just, I would have been all right if I had a little more. Right. <laughs> you would have really, you really <laughs> remembered <laughs> your <laughs> life. Um, right. And so I quit and then I came back at 19 because they were like, Wanted to tell the story of where I had gone, and it's like, okay, quick buck, I'll do it. Right. Um, and then I came back, and uh, when I was sober mm-hmm. at 21 and had a really good time in Hawaii. Okay. But then I remember in Hawaii. Like, oh, they have good stuff over there. Well, yeah, like the ice. And in, in uh, what, 2001? I had, I, I know, I remember that era. That era. So, okay, so I probably met you when you were. Tommy, remember Tommy T Bone? I do remember T He T-bone, was yeah. responsible for a lot of that, right? <laughs> Believe me, I've got stories. Game. Well, that
0: at that time, when I was, uh I think I was 27 years old, and I remember um, it was Alfredo, and them, was, they mm-hmm. were telling me, uh, "What they uh, Jer- Well, they said Jeremy's taking us to a party in Hollywood. I'm like, Jeremy, he's Jeremy Jackson from Baywatch. I'm like, he's taking us. This- let's go! Let's yeah, them, let's go. So, I mean, I had ecstasy, I had GHB, and. and yeah, you have to understand. Like, and I say this quite often now. Back then, in in our group of friends, you didn't have people that were fucking doing drugs that would kill you today. Right. 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 This was during a time where it was designer drugs. It was stimulants. It yeah. was uh, ecstasy. It was the love drugs. Like it, yeah. it, was, it was everything that was gonna just make you want to fucking and hug more, and kiss everybody, so go, everybody go, right? Just go, go, go. And, it was the, and then like you, you party at the party, then you go to the after party, then you go to the after party after the after party yeah. and just go right into Monday. And I remember usually like Tuesday was my, Monday was my come down day. Tuesday was my uh, suicidal ideation day <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the, the serotonin in my, in the spinal yeah, was depleted yeah. from my spinal cord. So I'm just like, uh, I'm never going to do that again. By Wednesday, I start to contemplate. By Thursday, that's Friday Junior. By Friday, we're back at it again, yeah. raves and all that stuff. But I remember, like when we went to that party with you, you took us to the Hollywood Hills, and um, it was a it was a mansion party. It was, yeah. a, it was your typical like. Was that the one Hugh Hefner was at? Hugh Hefner came in. Yeah. He came in with the playmate. And, and a big old Viagra bomber. <laughs> and a big old Viagra bunker. And I remember. You told me, do you have any stuff on you? And I remember it. I was selling the Playmates, whoever those girls were that were the Playmates mm-hmm. at that time, uh, ecstasy and and, uh, and GHB. And I really felt accomplished. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm selling drugs like, to to girls, yeah. right? Maybe yeah. one of them is white. But but uh, but I remember like when I we we hit it off right away. Jenna. We just we just did. It. Yeah, we were cut from the same cloth. I was Persian, bougie. You were Hollywood bougie, yeah. right? And so, I mean, hand in hand. And um, and I remember, like, during that time, like, we were on our separate paths, but for some reason our paths kept crossing. Yeah. And and I remember that we would um, end up in, like, you know, some places that were questionable. Like, it felt great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt – like, we'd go to people's houses that had stripper bowls in their living room. Right. Which was, at that time, it was normal. Because during that time, if you were living in Southern California during that time, and you were part of the scene, yeah, there was a thing called Club Rubber, yeah, which was down in Orange County.
1: LBC, LBC.
0: It was all these, like, companies, mm-hmm. you know, Black Flies that were very popular during the yeah. 90s that would promote this stuff. Sha yeah. Shaw Shoes. And yeah. I had my own clothing line and everything. And so we go to these parties with like major productions and lots of hot women. And, and it was just glitz and glam at its finest. Yeah, yeah. And the music was was like lit. Wow. I mean, we, we would God, just go all night. So I remember there was a pimp and hole fest that we, uh-huh. every so often we'd go to- Pimp always had
1: the best outfit.
0: <laughs> I was uh, representing the tent community. I really yeah. thought like that was, that was what it was all about. But I don't really think that our lives, I don't know about you, because you said you left the show for a little while. Maybe the unmanageability was starting to kind of set in a little bit.
1: Oh, it had me 100. percent I mean, I was joking myself. If I was pretending I was doing anything but party.
0: Well, did you? Did the producers just tell you to don't come back for a little while?
1: I left. You just didn't want to. I hold just it, left. Right? I said, "Screw you." Yeah. Middle finger. I'm yeah, gonna roll over it. this. Yeah. yeah, I got better since then. Right. Nothing. I mean, it, everything I did—take a shower because I got a party till tomorrow. We get the outfit for the party. It, Everything was to party,
0: right? So, because of our age difference, I, this is what I'm estimating in my mind. When I met you, I was probably 26 or 27. Mm-hmm. I was throwing raves. I was doing all the party stuff. We we ran in some of yes, the same. I was cir- like 18. You were 18 years old. Yeah. We ran in some of the same circles, but I remember something switched during that time. Like this, it was it went from partying at the club to. Of them straight up say like you we were breaking you were breaking bad before it was even <laughs> thought of as a TV show right yeah. I mean yeah. you were a, a mess cook yeah and I remember that there was a house in Orange Johnny Garcia was there Um Kim we, Napp uh, Kim Knapp. we had a lot of characters that would come through that house unsavory uh, to say the least for a while it seemed safe until people like the Peña gang showed Club up or, or or like. A, some of these Mexican gangs were coming and they were specifically coming to me and saying, we want to get the celebrity kids dope. Because you were like the the chef, like you were cooking meth. And it was very powerful, very potent. Mm -hmm. I I believe, and I'm sure that you probably know this too, that even though the streets of Orange County did not have ice, what you cooked was ice. Yeah, it was was actually. It was ice, right? And ice is the highest form of methamphetamine. And during that time, I I did some runs to Hawaii myself too. Uh, I got cu- I had quit doing meth. I mm-hmm. quit doing meth from the time I was 22 to about 26. I I told myself I'll never do that shit. That's the devil's dandruff. I fucking ate it. I'll do other drugs, but I won't do meth. Mm-hmm. Like these Afghans would try to come over to my apartment and they'd be like, "You mind if we do some meth?" I'm like, "I mind very much." Yeah. Like I, you guys, you're tweaking, No yeah. left. You forever. Yeah. You guys you're go ahead and sell, right? But by the time four years later, when when you were cooking your stuff and I, right before, like before I even relapsed on meth, because I was doing everything else. Yeah. Um, I was dating the tw- one of the tweaker twins, and I remember um, uh, I was about to go on a Hawaii run, and something happened between me and my cousin. We had a falling out, and I didn't go to Hawaii. And I took all the drugs and started selling it in Orange County, and it was ice. Mm-hmm. and It was like very, very, the highest, most potent form of meth, and I gave it to one of the twins, she was bouncing off the walls like Daffy Duck. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I was like, uh, I think I'll try it a little bit. You know, I, yeah. my conscience told me when I took it to Hawaii, like, this looks like diamonds. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like the old mm-hmm. school meth. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking in one moment, I wonder how many lives I'm living with this in Hawaii. And lo and behold, five years later, Tent City, one in eight people uh oh. are addicted to meth in Hawaii, so I'm part of the problem. Yeah. But my conscience told me that. So Around that time, at that particular house, I remember the house got raided, right, by the methamphetamine task force, if I'm not mistaken, and you got caught up in the mix or something like that. I was about to come over there, and I, I remember that I came, but I left real quick, and I was followed by police uh, throughout the streets of Orange. It was really weird because they all followed me. It was like a caravan of cop cars, following mm. me. and I'm, I got, like, gallons of GHB in the car, mm. and I'm thinking, I'm fucked. Like, I'm going to get pulled. Like, I hope they don't actually smell the, the liquid. And, and the next thing you know, they all went in different directions.
1: I don't know what happened to you. I think you got arrested. Well, okay, so that was at Johnny's house, right? Yes. It was So it was weird. So um, I was at some lady's house mm-hmm. um, cleaning – and crystallizing a batch of crank, right? raw powder. The old school the shit. The old school shit. Yeah. And, and um, that's made with ephedrine. So you got ephedrine a dope, you got uh, uh, L ephedrine dope, is what you make right. ice with, and you pseudofed dope, right? right that right. was back in the day. Right. I don't even think they do that you got anymore.
0: Well, they pulled all the pseudofed off the shelves for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, they,
1: they make it now out of weird, weird chemicals. I'm glad I don't know. Right. But, um, I was cleaning like a couple pounds and turning it into ice, and uh, and something happened with Johnny. He got in trouble. Yeah, they raided him. Right, and he rolled on me. He uh-huh. said, "I know where somebody's cooking it right now." Uh-huh. And um, I saw the 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 file. I got the whole file. Right. where he was rolling on me, and. Uh, He wanted to show him where I was, but he couldn't remember. He dropped me off there, and he couldn't remember. Right. So I'm in this apartment. Helicopters, white vans everywhere, and of course, you know, you don't know if you're fucking tripping. Yeah, you don't know if they're real real or not. But it felt real. But between the helicopters and the white vans surrounding the building, it might be real. And I, by the grace of God, lucked out not getting popped that time. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't find me. They didn't know exactly what apartment I was in. Right. They were circling for hours and Johnny got in trouble. The weird thing is Johnny got in trouble with this guy who had been released from jail recently who had a trunk full of kitty porn.
0: Oh and that God. guy
1: had sought me out and was driving me around, helping me out with shit. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he was going to be my friend. You know, he wasn't even partying.
0: Right. Isn't that uh, Some weird Yeah. Who do you work for?
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Can you take your, pull your shirt forward and <laughs> look and see where the, where the, bug, the
1: bug is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty trippy stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the meth world, it's,
1: there's always some shenanigans. There's oh, always something like, it's just hinky shit. Like Once you, you start to try to like explain this stuff when you got your head on straight and you're like, um, it just sounds it's so sound, bad. It's bad. Oh, man, it's It's bad. embarrassing. To, to be caught up. In, so, okay. So
0: shortly after that, if if I'm not mistaken, you got sober. Yeah, I got sober when I was 20. 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I remember that the way I found out you got sober is that I went to where they would have the club, rubber, but I think it was another club that night. But you were at a club. Mm-hmm. And, and and I saw you, and it was nice to see you, And but you were different. Because when you approached me, I thought, he doesn't look sucked up. He hasn't been picking his face. <laughs> he, he, looks, he looks normal. He looks normal. And, and, like, you came up to me, and you told me, like, I'm sober now. You, I remember you said that. I'm like, why are you here? Then why are you at this place? And yeah. You said, because I can come to places like this. I'm good. But you said, if you ever need help, as if you're ever ready to get help, uh, just know, like, Sobriety is a possibility, and if you need a sponsor, I can sponsor. I'm like, sponsor? Do I look like a fucking skateboarder? Like, what are you talking about, sponsor? <laughs> yeah, you like my no. stick on your board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you said you'll understand when you if you ever come. Like, we'll save a seat for you. I believe you said something like that. Damn. And so that was She's my
1: first. Old, old school stuff.
0: It, I'm telling you that that for me was like, I mean, I've heard of AA and all that before, but I never like was no interest. Right, seventeen in Jubi. They would do panels and things like that. But but when you said it to me, I believe I was probably about 28, 29 years old. I didn't know what I was in for. I had some like still had some mileage mm-hmm. ahead of me. But the possibility of sobriety uh was presented to me through a guy that I considered my buddy. Pretty cool. Right. And and so uh by the time I I didn't get sober right away. I did not. Like I I remember uh, a year later, I was raided by the methamphetamine task force, and in my life, I've been raided six times. So, it's I've been, I've been in Steve Burnett. No, but it was a full unit of all Orange County, like yeah. different departments, sheriffs and cops, and all yeah. them. That, I'm in the riot here and so all embarrassing. So embarrassing. Well, it's you know like, and it's like what, it's like
1: they know you. They they knew they, they knew me them. by the name yeah. Edge. They yeah. didn't call me by my like, nickname. I'm like, but but so you know <laughs> somebody I, I know exactly who that is. me
0: It was one of the twins. Like I had to go through the paperwork and look at where they blocked us. stuff. But, but regardless of the fact, yeah. it needed to happen. I ended up going to jail and um Jonah says hi, by the way. Oh, I remember Jonas. Yeah. I hang out with him all the time. I like Jonah. He's, He's good. a good guy. Yeah. Um but I didn't get sober still. I, I, I went on another run between the ages of 30 and 35. I was on formal probation and informal probation. But you stayed sober. Yeah. You stayed sober the whole time. And I remember that by the time I was 35 years old and homeless in Costa Mesa, I think I crossed paths with you one more time. And then at 36, I went to rehab. And I saw you one day at a, at a 12-step meeting. At that point, I believe you had about six years. Yeah, And I was a newcomer. And you and Frankie Doll, you you were yeah. both at some place. I won't say it's so like in Newport somewhere. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, kind of, I looked up to you guys. I was like, fuck if he if that guy that used to be the the town meth cook Absolutely. and and his ultimate tweaker I was that was committed, you know, very committed. very committed, like very very sober. And and Frankie, she had a lot of time even then. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. she was this little tattooed girl that that. Uh, you could just tell she was totally punk rock. But yeah. She was very comfortable. In her skin. She was. She just like she carried inviting. herself very well. She she loved her sobriety and she would let you know it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so when I saw you guys, it was inspirational to me because I thought, well, fuck, man, like uh, there's something going on here. So as time went, and I know you were very committed. You were out. You're working with lots of people. Yeah. Wolfie was in your circle. Wolfie's got now 20 some odd years oh, of sobriety. Yeah, 26. But what tricked me out is one day I'm watching Celebrity Rehab and you should you should have you should have had about ten years at that time. Yeah, yeah. And you're on Celebrity Rehab. i like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like this fucking guy was doing so good. And I remember sending yeah. you a message and uh I'm like, Why are you
1: on Celebrity Rehab? Did you relapse?
0: Yeah. Like, ah no, no, steroids and some shit. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so why did you go on Celebrity Rehab? It's weird, man. So this manager would call me every year, dude. Every year and he'd be like, Hey, they want you on Celebrity Rehab. Are you still sober? I'm like, Yeah. Hey, got a chance to do celebrity rehab. It's two hundred grand. Uh, are you still sober? I'm like, yeah. Did it pay people that much to go on that show? No, I turned down a couple opportunities. First one, one of which was two hundred grand. Oh my God. And then, um, and then he called me again. He's like, dude, celebrity rehab really wants you. on it? He's like, can't you just drink a beer or something and right. like start over again? They wanted you to relapse. The manager did. Yeah, and so. Oh my God. So I go look. I go. I'm I Johnny to go see on here. No way! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Exactly!
0: You said oh my god! It's
1: hilarious.
0: <laughs> I wonder, Jennifer. Jennifer, do you know Johnny? You guys both live in that Texas state. Don't mess uh, with Texas.
1: Johnny, okay. Johnny, what up? Okay, so the we want to talk about the time with the Asians where you tried to get me Oh man, <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> um, okay. So,
0: so this guy wanted you to get loaded. You turned down the offer. So going on the show. I turned down the offer, and
1: um, and I go, look, dude, I I I shoot up like B vitamin, F, like uh, I'm shooting up all these. Growth hormones and testosterone, and I'm on this crazy, I'm 210 pounds just yoked. I remember you were super yoked. And I'm like, would they do it for steroids? Right. And he's like, I don't think so. And he's like, let me, oh, they want to do a test shoot. So they came over to my house and I made a really big to do out of how much I take and mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And, uh, and, you know, it looked pretty bad. I got needles everywhere. I got $10,000 worth of human growth hormone and files in the freezer, you okay. know, I'm extreme. So, right. They go, yeah, do but you? It's- yes. uh, so they, he goes, Yeah, it's 50 grams. Right. If you want it, they'll do it. They'll uh-huh. do it for steroids. So I claim to be addicted to steroids. Uh-huh. Um you know, was you know, aesthetic uh results and 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 you know had was it was my my God, you yeah. know what I mean? Right. I, I had lost my singleness of purpose for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh is it a relapse or not? Some people say yes, some people say no, mm-hmm. but um, that, that's that I had. I didn't really relapse, I say I didn't do meth for 14 years. I think I, I probably had about 12 years before I started taking medications as prescribed. That was really the relapse,
0: okay? But when you went on the show, they paid you. Oh, yeah, what well, they paid you 50 G's, and you got loaded, and <laughs> I got <a> loaded. <laughs> 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 The money, they
1: were dangling the carrot. Yeah, it wasn't, well, it wasn't the money, it wasn't the money I was, it was, it was the, you know, letting up on a program or rigorous action. It was no longer a regularly attending meetings. I started going to one meeting a week. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, oh, it's my birthday. I better go take a cake and show these people that it can be done. You know, I thought like I was double digit, some kind of gift to, uh, to recovery. You know, right. I freaking totally lost myself.
0: So, okay. And then. During that time, you were married.
1: Yeah.
0: Eliana says hi, by the way. Oh, hi, Ellie.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay,
1: so you were married. Mm-hmm. Who was she? So I married this woman. Well, I, I started shortly after celebrity rehab. I started uh, dating a friend of mine that I had known for about 12 years at that time we had lost touch for 4 years but we had dated off and on um in my early recovery around you know 23 or something i don't know 21 um i this girl that i had put in a little independent movie that i did uh she was a stripper and a and a porn star she's she was gorgeous and i just saw the sweetness in her that um that that you know had my heart you know but but i i couldn't like see myself marrying or or, or, publicly dating like a stripper and a porn star, you know, mm-hmm. she was like my dirty little secret, you know. Okay. And when she resurfaced, and I had a bunch of money in the bank, and she was going to nursing school, yes. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, she's she stopped doing porn. She's only stripping on the weekends. Uh-huh. This could be great, you know. We'll fix each other all up. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and codependency uh, so was in. Yeah, and then that's, that's that. Uh-huh. Uh, we dated for a year. We we're engaged for a year, mm-hmm. and we were married for two. Okay. Yeah. And that you were living in L.A. during that. Living in L.A. Okay. And then the marriage dissolved. Marriage, marriage went horribly. Um, you know, I we I became like my worst version of me. You know, I chose another thing to become my god. Um, you know. You mean a, like a female? Female. Okay. Um, I got tired of you know the green and moved on to the pink. Mm-hmm. and uh you know trying to build this picture perfect life you know I'm 32 I got 12 years sober you know now it's time to focus on business now it's time to focus on relationship now it's time to you know own cars and have a house and a dog and graduate you but, know it's the next chapter mm-hmm. here i'm I'm grown now. I'm training celebrities in LA. I'm, you know, consulting for bigwigs, hedge fund managers, showing them how to eat, showing them how to train, showing them what to take, how to supplement, um, and all this cool stuff. And I, there was no way I thought that taking prescriptions as prescribed, having a couple drinks with my then wife on vacation, could ruin it all. And or if it did get weird, mm-hmm. it would be so easy to just say never mind. Okay, that went wrong. Right. Uh, here's a little experiment. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. Maybe I'm not an delusion. Total, total delusional. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So, which is pretty much guaranteed for anybody that isn't pretty damn active. Right. In case you were wondering. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't take long. I believe. Because life that. keeps happening. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So uh, the marriage is no more. She's she's not doing well. You know. Um, I was so blinded with fixing her or being a superhero uh-huh. that uh, her her uh, mental condition uh, was not as, as 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 you know visible as I thought. Mm-hmm. It, it was I just thought she was had anxiety or that she was you know insecure, mm-hmm. but, but she was actually becoming totally. She was uh, losing. losing her uh, shit. Psychotic ideations, mm-hmm. paranoia, hearing voices. Well, was she doing the type of drugs that we were doing? No, she was not. It's re- like real mental it's stuff. It's just mental health. Yeah. Straight, Straight mental, mental health. Mental health stuff, yeah. So sad. So that ended really, really terribly. And then here I am. I'm kind of, I'm already getting, I'm already loaded. Uh, we didn't party together. I wasn't partying, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, but that heartbreak and that betrayal and that just... Well, like I was lost. Without her, I was lost. Mm-hmm. So, what do I do now? She was my life. She was my everything. Right. So it's definitely time to get loaded. Mm-hmm. My kind of take was I tried so hard. I did I put you know, um I put in so much work. Right. And and it's it's over now. I'm giving up, you know, mm-hmm. never mind on on any of it. Right. You know? So I went like full force back into the darkness.
0: Into the darkness. But but okay, even so um after that this is kind of what stands out to me that even though in a sense, you're my, you were my Eskimo. It's kind of cool. Man. You know that, right? I let you know that for probably the yeah. first
1: five years. Yeah. Thank you. Uh,
0: and then Laura was too, and she just lost her husband. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Laura was, she had four years and she told me that she would not talk to me unless I was sober. Is this Is interior designer? Laura. No, Laura's disabled. Okay. Oops. I just, there goes the end. Yeah. Laura, yes. Um, but she told me. Zogenstein. I, I <laughs> Zogenstein. <laughs> uh, but she said, um, "I saw her somewhere in public." And she said, uh, "You know, if you're not sober, you can't be my friend," and that hurt me. And so that stuck stuck out to me. I knew that Jeremy told me something. This dude named Disco. I know you know Disco. Oh, he he said that he just got out of rehab in mean? Florida, and and I'm doing meth with the guy, and he he it was like. He goes, you should get help. And I go, you're, you just got out of rehab. What about you? Yeah. And he goes, I'm not ready, but you, you're you ready. I'm okay. like, okay. So it was like a, a series of events that oh. happened. so all these years later, to see you fall off the wagon, it made me trip out. Like not to say like my sobriety was at risk. I really have always taken my sobriety very seriously. So it's I, can, I, I thank you for oh. helping me in the beginning, for showing you what sobriety looks like and how one can become comfortable in their skin what i do love is that every time that you fell down over all these years since your actual double digit relapse how many attempts that you've tried to come back because i've seen you try Mm -hmm. and try and try to come back i remember one night we were at gucci uh i had let you know that i'm gonna be speaking there and you showed up and and you were there with our other friends and our breathworks friend and and a few others and and uh, you were there to support. And oh, so, yeah. like, even so, with all of the slips and everything, you do come back with, like, with a vengeance. Like, like you like you really want this thing. But I've also noticed that, like, it's been hard for you to put time together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and at this point right now, how long are you sober? 135 days. Okay. And what's different this time? <sighs> I,
1: I, a lot. Um, I have a new uh, sponsor. And um, you know, uh, Mark Houston, Big Book Awakening. No, yeah. Steps. Yeah. So I'm you're doing, doing BBWs? I'm doing that. I'm doing. Uh, oh, BBA. BBA. Uh, yeah. BBWs yeah. are nice too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm doing more intensive work than, than I've ever done. I mean, I I almost feel like a, like a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, like who I am today. I've never been before, and um, you know, I, I've I've been just led and and bound and restricted to or uh, confined by a lot of fear and a lot of insecurity, a lot of self-centeredness. Um, you know,
0: before my whole life. Okay, so here, here's some trips me out even, even in recovery, you was, know, was even so
1: in my even when I was twelve years sober, you know.
0: I've been jealous of your abs for a long time.
1: Oh,
0: really? I have got love handles, and I've always had love handles. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what? If they, if they live up to their name, just hold on, <laughs> love them handles. Yeah. Right? hold on to. Yeah. But um, for a guy that's had pretty much the entire time I've known you, a beautiful physique, and I'm not listen. I, I understand. Like, um, it's it's not the outside that's going to satisfy a person. Yeah. You could look. Most of my friends that were really, really handsome, good looking, chiseled face. Uh, beautiful physique. You tell them. Looks like you have a five-pack. I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. they, they automatically feel mm-hmm. very insecure. Mm-hmm. But to hear you say that, when you've you've lived a pretty fucking full life. Yeah. Like a pre. I mean, t- to my understanding, from what I've seen, you've done a lot. You've, yeah. you've moved a lot of mountains, right? Like yeah. Absolutely. You've succeeded in a lot of different. In a lot of different arenas. Yeah. You know, when it yeah. comes to exercise, when it comes to dietary habits. You're an expert, you're, and you're no dummy. Like I, The conversations that we have, I'm like, I, I always wondered, were you educated? Because you're dyslexic, right? Yeah, no, this is basically self-educated. Self-educated. I dropped out of school in went like to third grade. So as being a dyslexic person, did you
1: read a lot? Like how does a dyslexic read? Well, I, it's fixed. You know, It changes. It's a it's a weakness in your eye. That, it comes and goes. Well, it, it, it was strong, and now it's gone, okay. and now it's more like numbers and direction. Mm-hmm. It's more in my head instead of, what's outside of me. But
0: yeah. To hear that you're living differently because I always have hope you know, and I always hope that you I feel like you're coming back on this path to be with us. Yeah, I think so. Because it makes me, as your friend from so long ago, sad because you were an inspiration to me to see you go back out and see you go back out. I just, you know, we call it chronic relapsing. Yeah. Um, I guess in a sense, not to say like one drug's better than the other, but because you were never, you never wanted to be a heroin addict like your dad. Right. So had you been, you probably would have probably fucked with the, with I the be fentanyl. You'd be dead. Because yeah. sure. these days the kids are doing drugs that will fucking kill you almost immediately. It's crapshoot. Yeah. You don't know what you're getting. Right. Like it's just Russian roulette. Right. It could just happen that one time. And it just happened in this last week to two of our friends, right? Yeah. Three. So three. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, in, in our world, mm-hmm. it's a very common thing. I, it's almost like we become de- desensitized I agree. to until it hits home. Yeah. Unless it's someone you know really, really well. Right. Like Joey, for example. I, you remember Joey, right? That's our son's face. Yeah. He was in our circle, you know, and, and I, when he died, at that point, people were like, Can you believe Joey died? I'm like, Yes, yeah. I can believe Joey died. Because Joey went hard and he didn't give a fuck, and he was like, "Look." And the sad thing about Joey was that both Joey and his brother overdosed and died. So the mother has two dead
1: sons yeah. because they they were snuckled. We right? all, at this point, it's like uh, you know, expect the worst and hope for the best. That's like, right. Yeah, everybody's basically dead. We're all dead. Dead, dead men walking. Right. You know? Absolutely. And we got a shot today. We do have a shot today. I like that
0: you that you switched it up. I mean, we all love Wolfie, yeah. and, and I would like that right now you're trying a different path. Um, I, I still do a home with him every Monday. I love yeah, that. He's just a good life man, life, all about. Oh that. my God! Just one of the most genuine souls. For sure. Great example. Demonstrates like what real recovery is about. Practical application. It. Absolutely yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's what's on the horizon
1: for Chairman Jackson? Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be managing or or leading a house uh, over at Ohio House okay. in, in a month. I'm about to take a nice little vacation. Where are you going? Wonderful, sober girlfriend to Nicaragua. Okay, and um, you know, I'm uh, just having a new experience with the steps and just seeing where where God takes me in life. You know, I I, plenty of opportunity. Opportunity has never been a a problem for me. Right. You know, Um, building the house back up has never been a problem. Mm -hmm. It's just keeping it from collapsing. And and I feel like with Um, this closer examination of the seven areas of self Mm -hmm. is is how I can how I can change the paradigm moving forward.
0: You've been in a lot of
1: treatment in your life. Yeah.
0: Have you ever sat in treatment centers where they talk about uh, getting in touch with your inner child? Uh, I don't think so.
1: You don't know about that? (laughs) I know. Through breathwork I've I've felt it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Talk about breathwork a little because I know I went to one of your breathwork uh groups Yeah. That you had in Newport
1: Beach. Oh yeah, the vibes. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool.
0: Breathwork breath, breathworks is something else. Yeah. Like you go into very like it's transforming, you go like into an entrancing
1: part like you like, a lot of emotions come out. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know just kind of the, the, the bullshit goes away. You basically hyperoxygenate your bloodstream and, and in that state it's said that you're um, hypothalamus pituitary releases DMT, dimethyltryptamine, naturally occurring in your body, and um, you kinda kind of get a an experience that's free from from inauthenticity or, or lies or bullshit or the shell that you put on or the right. traumas that you have. Maybe there's traumas to work through that that stages that you have to to go through. Because right. I remember it was very painful for me for many months. I, cry and have a lot of body aches and pains mm-hmm. um, and after a few months that kind of stopped and I, I started having uh, you know, astral projection experiences where I'd walk around a room when my body was on the ground and look in drawers and do stuff and find stuff in other rooms. I would know what was in that room because I looked in that drawer but I was on the ground all whole time. Like really, really cool stuff.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. And traumas, have you worked through your traumas or are you currently? Um, I'm, I'm having some experiences where, you know, I'm, I'm recognizing, oh, wow, this is like a PTSD thing for me. This is, um, I'm, uh, you know, um, and I'm trying to confront them, you know, by being more uh, vocal, you know, because I have a, a problem with confrontation. I don't want to have uncomfortable conversations. But I understand. Um, I want to people please, you mm-hmm. know, so I stuff shit or I just let it go by the wayside. But yeah. Um. You know, now when those things are coming up or when something happens and I didn't say anything or I didn't take action or I, I didn't have the uncomfortable conversation, then I realize that, wait, it's two days later, I'm still thinking about it. Right. This is this is the kind of stuff, this is the, the one stone that's fallen that's gonna cause an avalanche. Mm-hmm. I ha- I actually have to do something. Right. I, ha- I have to f- I'll call up a couple of people, hey, as as this that's happened, what should I do about it? You know? You haven't and, called me in It's right direction. I'll put you on the list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I got to tell you. So I've been uh,
0: doing this podcast, this particular one, uh, Petri's Recovery Corner, since January, uh, February. Um, before we did another podcast that was the sober Grind in Austin. I think we had you on there one time. But today's podcast was the most comfortable for me, cool man, because I've, uh, you know, I've had various guests, different people from different walks of life, in different areas of recovery or lack thereof. Like that's what I always say. It's Pez's Recovery Corner. Come here and talk about your recovery, what your interpretation is of recovery. Uh, Some of it could be dietary. Some of it could be uh, uh, suboxone maintenance. I want to hear about that. (laughs) Sure. You know, if you think that you're sober and you say that you're sober and you believe that you're sober, take each their own. That's your recovery, right? Um, But I've known you a long time. And, like, when I hear your story, I very much relate to so much of what you talk about because not just because we grew up in the same area, right? We grew up in, in Orange County. We were Orange County kids for for a while. Yeah. We we've, we've done the L.A. lifestyle. I mean, yeah. in in different areas, but but I think like internally, it's yeah. that that uh, self-manufactured depression mm-hmm. that we bring onto ourselves, and then we seek, especially guys like us. We were thrill seekers, and it was through stimulants—the yeah. stuff that'll make you fucking go fast, yeah. the stuff that'll make you. Uh, hang stuff in the garage and hang from it and wonder why are we hanging in the garage. I remember my mom one night, she came driving in the garage. I was 30 years old and I was—I had all these bicycle hooks, looking odd objects. And she it was like one in the morning she drove in and she looked up at me hanging from up there and she's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And she, she got out of the car and said, if you put as much energy as you do into like rearranging this garage and doing stuff, and to go to school you'd be like a scientist right right yeah, yeah.
1: i'm just like i tinfoiled the whole carpet once in the, in the <laughs> loft and, and until i got in the corner and i was like oh this probably wasn't a good idea <laughs> i can't go anywhere right, right. Like, well, how did i think this was going to be functional right but then if you spilled any stuff there's always a psychologically it makes sense at the time so we I think it's because we've suffered the same thought life. Right. We've had the same solution that, that ran out. Right. That that protected us from that thought life. And we've both had to do certain things Absolutely. to be saved from that thought life. Right. You know, because it's really not the drugs, it's our fucking thought life. It's our thought life. You know. And um you know, ego. selfishly, I'm glad it felt good because selfishly I'm here because I want to soak up some of that some of that wonderful light that you give so many people. Bro. Thank you. I appreciate For
0: it. For real. Seriously, today was the most comfortable episode because – probably because I know you and, like, I just feel – you know, with the other ones, like, I run out of questions. And here, like, we could talk forever. Yeah. It's old friends and, like, uh, I'm happy you're alive. Me too. And I'm happy that you're sober again. This, this means a lot to me. Yeah. And I hope it means a
1: lot to you too. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm protecting it with everything I got. I want to keep it 100 through and through. I don't want to miss a step. I don't want to keep it secret. I don't want to – I want to – maybe for the first time in my life experience my authentic self, you know, yeah. even, even. In how about instead of maybe, how about definitely, definitely do. Do. Right. you know, right. but it's kind of a quest, you know, like to be your raw, unfiltered authentic self all the time. There's always, always something's always going to sure. wedge its way in there. Sure. But I'm gonna, I want to,
0: I want to, as long as we keep the substances out of our body, we have more of a chance yeah, to absolutely. actually tap into to deeper uh, layers of our soul yeah I believe that's what I believe yeah. you know I have I had and have deep layers of the ego mm-hmm. but this
1: is about really you know getting down to the core of things it's amazing too when you think about it like how did I how do you know they say it's the first thing you ever the last thing you do and the first thing that works mm-hmm. right and how did I get by for so long and how do how, how do other people get by Without the intensive work, without really applying it to their life, right. without like, if you want to study to pass a test, you're studying your balls off, right? right? right. All nighters or whatever. You just we, I, I, very few people actually get into the book like that. Like right. it's actually really going to save their lives. Like, right. We're just like bumbling around in the dark, like oh, you know, like fellowship, cool, go to a meeting, cool. But like as far as digesting that book, but right. happens very rarely. I can't believe it took me this long. What
0: an idiot! You mean to tell me all those other years before you didn't really get into it? I
1: mean, I did the surface level stuff, oh, you know, the, the, the homework check in boxes. I didn't like right. really apply it to. And sp- 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 so you know what's crazy, situation. Jeremy?
0: It's really not that fucking hard. Yeah, I say t- I say it to lots of different people. I get I get highly intellectual, um, entitled young men and women that come from well some well-to-do families that. They come in, and they'll do everything but the fucking simplest yeah, yeah, like, recovery right. work. It's like this shit will save yeah, your life. But you do I that know. shit, it might take your life. Yeah, and, of course, like you tell you tell that to like kids. Uh, if you would have told us back in the day, especially like I remember at one point, I was so depressed. Uh, I had this car accident where somebody died as a result of me driving. So I, I just wanted to numb, numb out. And people would say, Peggy, you're kind of out of control. Like you keep doing this, you might die. I was like, right. well, then that case give me more. Right. Like I don't care. Bring it on. Who, who will come to the funeral? Will I even know? It doesn't matter. And That's no way to live. No, it ain't no way to live. You know. No. Nope. Nope. How old are you now? Forty. You're forty years old. Yeah. My God, time is flat. <laughs> you look the same. You trips me out. A, l- a little bit whiter in the back, <laughs> a, little, a little bit fatter. <laughs> I'm counting my steps these days. <laughs> Back in the day, I, like I counted them a different way. Put one on the dog
1: and see and see who wins. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you. Uh, I'll have you in future episodes. You're one of my dearest friends. I love you very much. And uh, Keep me accountable. We'll check up. I will keep you keep accountable. Busy. All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks for everyone that tuned in today. Uh, Peggy's Recovery Corner. We had Jeremy Jackson, and uh, we'll see you next week with another special guest. I forgive you, Johnny. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha